and all my life, all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good, yes, with every breath that I I want to thank each and every one of you who came to show your love and support for the Ward family. I welcome you and those who are watching online. We extend our sympathy and our deep condolences on the part of the pastoral board and the board of deacons, all incredible members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church. Sid, Ryan, Ashley, Nicole, and the Ward family. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And who believes and lives will believe in me who will never die. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His compassion never fails. Every morning, they are renewed. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. But blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Coming now with the opening prayer will be Reverend Philip Stubbs, friend. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we have come into this sacred place to worship you, to worship you even today because you are a good God. And so we lift our hearts up to your sacred presence because you are a good God. We know that you will attend to the grief and thanksgiving in our hearts. As we come as one, we pray that your spirit will bring comfort to us all, beginning with Sid and the children and the circle, the family circles and those of us who have walked with Nicholas for years as friends, so much so that we've become family. Holy Spirit, we invoke your presence in this moment, thankful for your efficiency that you will minister to all of us, to Sid, the children, the members of the family circles, to all who gather in this place. We commend your son, our friend Nicholas, to you, and we pray that in this time of worship, you will be glorified, O oh God. That your good news will be shared. We thank you now for believers who will be built up in their faith for the comfort that will be released from heaven for all of us who grieve, we thank you now for the good news that will be shared so much so that seekers will know that even in the midst of sorrow, you are a good God, that you are a gracious God, that you are a great God. And so... Even in the doldrums of sorrow, we are pleased to bless your name as we say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We offer this prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Jesus is our hope, not only in life, but also in death. And we couldn't have sung a better truth than that right now at the opening of this service. 
and Christ alone, my hope is found on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so to the family, be encouraged. Let these words of truth wash over you as we sing with grace in our hearts to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, our hope both in life and in death. We invite everybody except the immediate family to please stand as we sing to the honor and glory of our Lord. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm to the fiercest be seated.
Coming now, in this order, would be Mr. Joseph Ward, brother of our brother Nicholas, to read the Old Testament reading. Uh, he would be followed by uh, Brother Gregory and Cyril Pete, friends, to share as I knew him. And they would be followed by the New Testament reading read by Mrs. Monique Ward, and then we'll have a video tribute from Pastor Evangelist Rex Major. In that order. The scripture reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31, Isaiah 41, verses 10, and the 23rd Psalms. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. End of the scripture reading. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We pay our respects to Sid and her children and the extended family, and we share condolences as a trio. There were four of us, and we're down to three. Uh, the Nicholas and Phil were the youngest of this foursome, and we were led by Greg, who was the older of the group. And we always had a deep respect for where each other fit in the group. We all had a unique place in the group. Um, but the common denominator that brought us together was Grace Community Church. Well, Grace Gospel Chapel, now Grace Community Church. Uh, something a good group called AOG, or uh, Ambassadors of Grace. And by the time we came along, Greg was very much involved in the leadership of that youth group, but he is going to speak for all of us. We've agreed that he will be our spokesperson, Sid, and before he presents, 
I just want to give you news from Ramona. She sent her regret not being able to be with you today, um, but she's uh, carrying you in her thoughts and her hearts. Uh, Greg? Good afternoon. Today our hearts are with the entire Ward family, especially Sid and Ryan, Nicole and Ashley. For 46 years, the four of us, Nicholas, Cyril and Philip and I, we shared a deep connection, a great friendship. It was a friendship that was grounded in our faith and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. During the first 20 years of this friendship, each week, we spent some eight to 10 hours together in Sunday worship, youth meetings, general church activities, and all of this was at Grace Gospel Chapel, now Grace Community Church. Almost weekly, beyond church events, the four of us would spend time at some place on this island, at the beach, at Johnson's Chicken Shack, getting some ounce of good chicken. Always moving about in my red German-made Volkswagen Beetle. During these hundreds of hours each year, as we were together, the four of us, we dreamed, we had long discussions, we sometimes disagreed, but we deepened our bond as we served the Lord together and supported each other. We came to know each other as brothers. Our children called us uncle. I had the privilege of standing in Nick's wedding, and he did in mine. I became godfather to Ryan, his first son, and he became godfather to, to mine, Naldo. My first trip to Eleuthera was with Nick, and we stayed at his father's home, Viscount Ward, in the Bogue. And he was so proud of Eleuthera. We spent three days there, and I saw everything on the island from north to south in those three days. He was so proud. We even stopped off in Tappan Bay to visit with his stepmom's family. We, Cyril, Phil, and I, experienced Nicholas as a boundless collection of passion, energy, courage, no nonsense, sometimes impatient, and enough dreams for two lifetimes. <laughs> Nicholas spoke and lived like someone who could build a staircase between reality and his dreams somewhere midair, and he often did. Nick was very officious at times about things that he did, and he wore a suit almost anywhere at any event. 
And sometimes when we went to the beach, we would joke with him and ask him, where is the suit? His passion and his drive and his intellect were very evident throughout his professional life. Nick first became certified in the pharmaceutical industry. And as a pharmacist, he really knew his craft. And we often refer to him for advice about what meds we should take if we had an ailment or another. He left the hospital and then he started a job with the insurance industry. But eventually, he started his own business in both insurance and real estate, which became lucrative enough to take care of his family. When Nick transitioned into the insurance industry, I had purchased my first insurance contract through Nick under his strong persuasion that I should have it. And being a good friend, because I was always skeptical about insurance, I decided to buy my first contract. I never regretted it, however, because I'm still holding that same contract today. I haven't cashed it in yet. It all started in 1975 when the Brethren Assembly, of which I was a part, sponsored a gospel crusade under a big tent over in Arundel Street, not very far from here, near D.W. Davis Junior High. I sang in the choir that year, and I was also a new seeker counselor as a part of the team. One night during the crusade, and it must have been a youth night, a young man, a student at QC, Queens College, could not be more than 15 years old. He came forward with others who responded to the call from the preacher that night to give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nick did it that night. Nick was one of those persons who came forward, and I had the privilege of leading him, counseling him and leading him to Christ. That night started for us what became a long history together. Of the quartet, I was the elder and became like a big brother in friendship. Nick was still in high school, obviously, at that age. Phil was still in high school. Cyril was a little bit older, but still in high school. I had already started my banking career. These guys I found to be so very, very sharp. I benefited tremendously from this association with them. Nick was mentored at Grace as a new Christian by a guy called Charlie Chubb. Charlie was a teacher at Kingsway Academy, a missionary from the United States at that time. Charlie also attended Grace, and so with all the connections, Nick had no choice but to come to Grace. That's how he ended up there. All of us were on, on him. I could remember when Nick met Sid Pintard of Grand Bahama. What a time. <laughs> that was quite a time. I could still see his teeth and his radiant smile as he shared with us that he found the girl that he was going to marry. He knew for sure. It was around Christmas time, I remember, of that year. We were all at church after the midnight service, and Nick borrowed my red German Volkswagen 
to go to see Sid. Sid must have been in town that year. I don't know how it all worked, but he needed the car to go to see Sid. And we waited for him until he came back. When I saw the photograph of Sid, I asked him, where in the world did you find this princess? And again, that big, radiant smile. And it was accompanied by a great sense of accomplishment. Over the years, Sid turned out to be more than a princess. She'd been, become an angel, an outstanding, enterprising, godly, and supportive wife and mother Sid became. At Grace, Nick lived out his faith. And as an adult Christian, he eventually became ordained a deacon. His commitment to the Lord was seen in his family life and in his Christian service. As a deacon, he successfully chaired and led many church initi initiatives. Nick became an influential member of Grace Community Church. His leadership and passion drove him to chair an important process that was overseen by Alan Lee to help our church to reevaluate our purpose and to prepare us for the next generation. It was called Decision 2000, and it embodied the vision of the church for the next generation and many of those changes that were introduced back then as a result of Nick's passion and leadership are still very evident and active in our church life today, even long after he left. Nick had a big heart, a big heart for people and in particular young people. Nick's dream was to have acres of land somewhere here on New Providence where he could build a big house to house a lot of young people who were less fortunate. He wanted to see everyone succeed, no one left behind. He was distressed at the inequity and injustices around us. And if he had his way, He'll fire everybody around him just because they could not see his dream. I remember at Christmas time, one time he went by the house, Nick had young people from the Elizabeth Estates Children's Home in his home fellowshipping with his children and his wife for the Christmas. He took them out of Elizabeth Estate to give them a father and to give them hope. If only for that season, he bought them gifts and he showered them with love. That's how big his heart was. Nick, Cyril, and I served as deacons in the 80s at Grace Community Church. But eventually he moved here to Calvary with his family. Phil went on to seminary 
and eventually became a reverend with the Methodist Church. Cyril and I remained at Grace Community Church, where we both still serve as elders. The quality of our friendship was never judged, however, by the little time we spent together in recent years. But it was on the quality of the friendship that we forged while we were young. It still was and still is easy to instantly pick up from where we left off at wherever and whenever we met or we meet. For us, this moment is surreal. We can't believe that this is actually happening. And our hearts are indeed full to lose someone who is, was so important to who we all became. As men of faith, we trust the living God in whatever he allows because we are persuaded that nothing, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. To Sid and the children, our love, my love, I have... My love for you. May the soul of our friend Nick, our dear friend Nick, rest in peace. The New Testament reading is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39, and Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. The end of the reading. What a satisfying and enjoyable privilege I had to have been able to create a relationship with an eager, willing, and committed disciple of Jesus Christ. I speak of Nicholas Ward. He was connected to me like a son. I could truly say he was my Timothy for many years. Very teachable, very responsive. And to add to it, he engaged me to become the counselor for his marriage. And that too was a blessed privilege that then I got to know his wonderful wife, Sid, a, a little better as well. So I became the counselor, and then guess what? The marriage officer. So I was able to be the one to come before the public and say, ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you Nicholas Ward and Sid Ward as legally married couple. But there was an event in our lives that perhaps is most memorable to me, memorable to me. It was called the Reach Out to Live Crusade in the Poinciana Arena, November 1 through 15, 1987. It was over a year in preparation. And in the steering committee, Nicholas Ward served on the Publicity and Promotion Committee as chairman. And oh, what life and energy and, and creativity he brought to that 
to that experience. And in addition, while the crusade was on, he was co-moderator with Greg Trico. I want you to put your hands together and welcome with me a man who has dedicated his life to making sure that the young and the old, the poor and the suffering, wherever you are in this country, and indeed throughout the Caribbean, he has gone to, and made it his business to know that you know that you have two choices. You have a choice to live or to die. And his message has always been one, reach out to live. Let's welcome Brother Rex Major. And in his pleasant manner and sweet voice and, and almost humorous at times, he made his audience to be totally at ease, totally interested and totally involved. Are you excited to be in the presence of God again, for those of you who've been here before, in this return to the crusade? Thank you very much. Um, what, what sets it out is that he, he was on the platform before the podium, before a host of Christian leaders, pastors and leaders of churches. And in addition, there were community significant people, and I name a couple, Governor General Gerald Cash and his dear wife was there on a special night and we recognized them well. Then another night was, there was Lady Butler, uh, the, the widow of Sir Milo Butler at the time. And uh, the um, uh, representative of uh, the British government was in that audience four times in those 16 sessions. And these are the kind of people that Nicholas was able to minister to in the guidance of each of the services. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful time, wonderful time. And uh, then, of course, the climax was a baptism of those who wanted to testify that they had become Christians on Montague Beach, December 13th, 1987. And what a wonderful experience that was for all of us. So I remember Nicholas as being significantly used of God in one of the most outstanding evangelistic efforts of this nation's history. That's how I remember him. And what a joy for me, and I know for the family, to rest in the wonderful assurance that Nicholas is at home with his Lord. And according to Paul, it's a better place to be. God bless all of you who hear, who listen here today, and I tell you the truth, I, I do miss him, I do. 
if you're not a Christian, you have not experienced the greatest touch of all. And then I want you to understand what is going to be said in the next few minutes. Then I want you to say to Jesus, God, if you are that great, I'm going to reach out tonight. I want you to reach back out to me and touch me. And give me this life that you have promised. Because I need it. Praise the Lord. Nicholas Ward lived to prove one thing, the greatness of our God. And his life was lived for the glory of God. Thank God for that wonderful legacy that he's left to you, Sid, and to your wonderful children, and to the body of Christ at large. Thank you, brothers, who shared your experience with this man of God. And so, I'm sure all of us would agree that we serve a great God. And he is forever worthy of all our praise, both now in this life and throughout all eternity. Nicholas is with his Savior right now, giving him praise. So let's stand together and let's lift our voices again and our hearts to Jesus, who is indeed a great Savior and a great Lord.
You may be seated. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nancy and I and our entire family extend our loving condolences to Sid and her family during this time of mourning. We have come to cherish and to love and deeply appreciate this family over the years, especially Sid and Nicholas. Sid has been and continue to be a very dear and close friend to Nancy, for which I am eternally thankful. Nicholas Ward was a Bahamian version of The Quiet Man, played by the American actor John Vane in his classic movie. Remember, he spoke little, but his actions were loud and clear. Again, reminded me of the American president who said to have spoken with a small voice, but carried a big stick. Nicholas' actions belied his quiet, gentleman-like demeanor. I appreciated and respected him because of this, as I did for many of his other traits as well. Nick was a man of conviction. He had deep integrity, an unfailing faith in Jesus Christ, and in his word. He was a man who loved and cherished both his physical and spiritual families with a God-inspired, spirit-enabled love. I first came to know Nick when he was serving as a deacon at what was known at that time as Grace Gospel Chapel. We worked closely together for over a year, going over the formulation of the original constitution for that assembly. I was impressed with his care for detail, accuracy, and concern for adherence to the word of God and his commitment be to being absolutely certain that that word was clearly reflected in that document. I think it was that commitment that caused me to see him not only as a man after God's heart, but a, but a man after my heart as well. This trait was also manifestly demonstrated when he and I were again brought together to minister for Christ at Calvary Bible Church. He was careful and deliberate in choosing and committing to a ministry until he was certain that it and those involved in it were also totally committed to it for the glory of God and for the building up of the incredible body of Christ at CBC. I thank him for that. And so today and always, I thank and will continue to thank God for every remembrance of Nicholas Ward, the quiet man who spoke indelible, lasting words with his life. And to paraphrase the wisest man who ever lived, the pleasant aroma of Nicholas Ward's life will linger on long after we leave this place of mourning. I thank God for every refreshing reminder of its fragrance in my own life. That's why I call that aroma, Nick, the essence of quietness. See you soon, buddy. Sila.
Good morning, this is Richard Albury, Director of Camp Bahamas Ministries. Uh, first of all, I want to say um, my condolences to Nicholas' family um, and relatives. Uh, my heart and prayers go out to you during this time. Um, Nicholas Ward, uh, first of all, I'm honored that uh, Sid has asked me to be part of this um, t homegoing celebration of Nicholas' life. Um, Nicholas has been a friend of mine for many, many years. Uh, we became uh, acquainted through ministry um, when he started to bring campers to Camp Bahamas um, from Elizabeth Estates and Ramfley Home and other places in Nassau. Nicholas was always a man who had the, the desire to see young people become what God had them to be and overcome the challenges, overcome the struggles and the circumstances that were not their fault. And um, I remember the first time he uh, came and talked to me about bringing kids to camp, teenagers to camp. He said, I hope you have room. I want to bring 50 teenagers to camp. And at the time, we were only doing about 50 to 60 per week. And uh, we were doing that for three or four weeks in summer. And I was like, well, that's 25% of the summer right there. And I was like, we'll make it work. So that was the beginning of a great relationship. Nicholas was on the board of Camp Bahamas Ministries and for well over a decade, probably more, way, you know, 15 years. And so his heart for this ministry and seeing what God can do in the life of a teenager has touched me immensely. Uh, Nicholas was a very special man. Nicholas had a, a way of seeing and understanding what God was doing in the lives of people. He had a understanding of God's word. Uh, he, he dug into God's word deeply and he spent time studying God's word and meditating on God's word. And it was an inspiration to me, um, kind of like a mentor relationship where I could look to him and go to Nicholas if I had something I was dealing with or needed some guidance on, I'd call Nicholas. And he'd always sit there and listen and would talk through things. Um, I remember that I was going, getting ready to head to the United States a few weeks ago and I called Nicholas just to touch base with him before I left. And just to talk about the ministry where God had us over the last couple of years with all the COVID related stuff. And uh, we talked about the future of camp and what God did this last summer in the hearts of teenagers. And we talked about him coming out in January when I got back and just going over everything to do with camp and ministry. And um, then I got the message that Nicholas had passed and gone home to be with the Lord. And um, it truly was hard for me because Nicholas was a good friend of mine and the family was very close to me and our family as well. And so, but this is not a time for, for grief, although we are grieving. This is a time for celebration of a great man, a man who had a heart for God, a man who trusted God, a man who believed God to do great things um, and what he had his hands on. And so I want to encourage everyone here today that's watching this, that while we will miss Nicholas and we will uh, miss the times we have with him, God, he's in the presence of God, where he wanted to be, his father. And um, we can all take joy and comfort in knowing that Nicholas lived a well life. He lived a life worth worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ, who he called Lord and Savior. And um, I count a privilege and honor to call Nicholas my friend and to have him on the board of Camp Bahamas as he guided us through a lot of circumstances that we faced. So I thank Sid, I thank you for asking me to do this. You've been on my heart heavy over the last uh, few days. I've been praying for you and the family. 
and to all the kids. I love you all and I've been praying for you as well. And your father was a great man. Your husband was a great man. And you should have pride and honor in the fact that he loved Jesus and he served Jesus with everything. And so I want to thank you just for asking me to be part of this time. And uh, I always count Nicholas as my friend and a man that I can look to and know that he was following God. So thank you and I'm praying for you all. Good morning, church. I met Ms. Ward in 2006 when I was transferred to the Elizabeth Estates Children's Home. After learning of his death, I reached out to some of the former workers and residents who expressed their condolences. The following tribute was taken from some of their expressions. Mr. Ward was a great man of God. He did not only father his biological children, but he was also a father and a mentor to countless children who lived in all of the institutions. I am told that Mr. Ward was a stable at the children's home for years before I came along. And during my eight years stay, he visited the home on a weekly basis, always bringing snacks and desserts. But that was not his mission. His mission was to ensure that the residents knew of God's love and his goodness. His teaching never came from a place of judgment, but it came of love, of upliftment, empathy. And this is what the children needed as many of them suffered from some form of abuse or neglect. His compassion was genuine. He did not only speak love, he showed love. Many people came and offered words of encouragement, then they left. But Mr. Ward devoted his life to doing this each month. He was a stern believer of discipline and taught them the value of having manners and respect for persons in authority. As reward for good behavior, some of the residents traveled to Camp Belutra every year. Compliments of Mr. Ward, who coordinated the event. Mr. Ward built long-lasting relationships with the residents. Some of them who were able to call and rely on him long, long after they would have left the home. He valued education and motivated each child to fulfill their potential and to dream big despite their current situation. His commitment to the welfare of these children can be seen in the lives of many young adults who are now successful in their various careers and they are contributing positively to the nation at large. Some of these careers include immigration officers, police men and women, correction and defense force officers. You also have like nurses and coupiers and the list goes on and on. The late Dr. Miles Monroe once said, and I quote, don't die old, die empty. That's the goal of life. Go to the cemetery and disappoint the graveyard. Well, Mr. Ward certainly disappointed the grave because he died after fulfilling his God-given purpose, after pouring his heart of compassion to the motherless and fatherless amongst us. He has gone to a better place. 
he was truly God sent. On behalf of the administration and sta- staff and residents of the Elizabeth State Children's Home, both past and present, I would like to take this time to express our sincere condolences and gratefulness for the life of Mr. Nicholas Ward. He's fought a good fight. He has finished his course. He has now gone to receive his heavenly reward. May his soul rest in peace and rise in glory. When I received the news that my friend Nicholas Ward had died, it felt like someone was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Why? Because Nicholas was the embodiment of life. He, he was bigger than life, you might say. How one man was possessed by so many big ideas was beyond me. And after a while, I stopped trying to tell him that he was being unrealistic, because it only seemed to fuel him on to prove that what he was saying was true. Before I became senior pastor and Nicholas had relocated to Calvary Bible Church with his family, we had many occasions to interact. He was easily the most animated, the most uh, bombastic thinker, deacon that we had, and he, he drove many of the programs that I'm certain Pastor Rex in his tribute would have mentioned to you. But our relationship specifically got closer when he asked me to interview him for his upcoming wedding. He said at that time, and I can still remember it, he said, I feel like a king on the way to his coronation. And that was certainly true as his wedding was quite the elaborate affair. And as the years would show, Sid Pintard Ward was indeed his queen. I had not been married long before Nicholas invited Janelle and I to be one of his first tenants in the new condominiums that he built out in Leeward East. And we spent some wonderful years together as neighbors and friends. We would be talking everywhere, around the poolside, while he was doing some watering in the garden, or at his kitchen table, or uh, in my living room. We talked about everything under the sun. And that's where I got to hear of so many of those fantastic ideas that always seem to be germinating in the brain of Nicholas Ward. I, I start to think maybe he was using me as a sounding board and that's why I got to hear so much of his ideas, I think. But I remember fondly traveling on a mission trip to St. Vincent and the Grenadines with Nicholas, one of the rare times that we actually did a trip together. And um, I must say, I really appreciated seeing his drive on that trip as well. You know, one of my big regrets is that I never got to experience Nicholas and I working together in leadership, and um, I guess Grace's loss has been Calvary's gain. Let me say to his beloved wife, Sid Ward, and Ryan, Ashley, and Nicole, on behalf of my wife and I, and the leaders and members of Grace Community Church, I wish to extend to you our most sincere condolences, and we pray God's blessing and sustaining grace as he takes you through this most um, grievous of moments. Uh, And Sid, uh, please, be mindful that you will be in my prayers, for you have had quite a few losses in this past year. God be with you as he keeps you and sustains you. Remember, during this Christmas season, that Christ died to change all of these things for us.
Thank you, Sister B. So beautifully done. Coming now with our message for today, Senior Pastor Robert Elliott. Sid and Ryan and Robin, Ashley and Nicole, sincere, loving Christian condolences to you at this time of loss from my wife, Beth, and also from myself. You are all loved and upheld in prayer. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of ministering God's word today. Psalm 23 was one of Nicholas's favorites. It has been read once, but I want you to give attention to this beautiful psalm once more. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Giving authority to this precious psalm, a favorite of Nick's, I want to make the case for each of us having the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal shepherd. Will you notice with me first that this begins with a decision by you? The verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. The key for the Lord to be one shepherd is for one to first decide to make him one shepherd. The verse does not say the Lord is a shepherd, nor does it say the Lord is the shepherd, but rather the Lord, David said, is my shepherd. You know, it's amazing to me that we all decide to have many other people do things for us. We speak of my hairdresser, or my doctor, or my electrician, or my yard man, or my teacher, or my pastor. Yet so many people in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas never get around to making the Lord their shepherd. Have you made that decision? This is the biggest and the best decision one could ever make in life because so so much flows out of the decision that we have to make the Lord Jesus our shepherd. I want to share quickly what flows out of that decision for every person who is a believer. The second half of verse 1 says, I shall not want. There was a little girl in Sunday school who tried to quote this verse from memory, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. <laughs> she misquoted the verse, but really she nailed it. She really nailed the verse. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> That's all I want. When the Lord is your shepherd, he'll look after you. You can say with David, I shall not want. So this all begins with a decision that leads to a wonderful assurance. But there's another thing. There's rest when Christ is our shepherd. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know the Lord is not a driven boss. Maybe you work for a driven boss. The Lord is not a driven boss. He balances labor and rest for us. 
Jesus voted for and he even promised rest when he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, there's rest when Christ is your shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. But there's more when you decide to make Christ your shepherd. There's restoration. First half of verse 3, he restores my soul. And don't our souls need restoration in Nassau and the family islands in 2021 as it will soon be eclipsed by 2022? Would you not agree with me that the roadways of life today are strewn with potholes and nails and glass, and we are often like punctured tires? We have slow leaks in our souls. And so our souls need to be regularly restored or they go flat. Let me ask you, how is your soul restored? Decide to make the Lord Jesus your shepherd if you don't have a clear answer for that. Oh, yes, when you make the decision, there's assurance, there's rest, and there's restoration, but there's also guidance. Second half of verse 3, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, when I was learning to drive and after I got my license in Ontario, we lived in a kind of closely knit subdivision in the suburbs, and my dad had a car And graciously and with a lot of faith, he let me drive his car after I was a licensed driver. But he said this to me before I drove his car. He said, son, this is my car. People in our subdivision know that it's my car. And so when you are driving my car, you're going to obey all the traffic laws and you are going to be courteous, son. Do you understand? Do I make myself clear? He leads us in the paths of righteousness because he has a vested interest that we walk on those paths because we bear his name, Christ Christian. Are you letting him guide you into the paths of righteousness? He will. He delights to do that. Now, we go on to another fantastic benefit. Not only after the decision, there's assurance and rest and restoration and guidance, but there's also fellowship Fellowship with the shepherd. First part of verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your shepherd is right with you through all of life. There was a famous preacher in Philadelphia, Donald Gray Barnhouse, whose wife passed into the presence of Christ in heaven when she was young, leaving he and the family with young children And Dr. Barnhouse struggled as to how to explain the physical death of their mummy to these young children. And one day, the Barnhouses were driving down the highway beside a semi-truck trailer. And it was a sunny day, and the sun made the trailer, the transport trailer's shadow to cast over the roadway ahead of where the Barnhouse car was driving. And Dr. Barnhouse said, kids, look at that truck and look at its shadow. Would you rather be run over by the truck or by its shadow? And then he said... Jesus Christ was run over by the full impact of death so that we who have him as our shepherd are only run over by the shadow of death. But there's something else, you know, that is a valley of a shadow of death. It's not a sinkhole that you never get out of. With time, healing, prayer, the word of God, Christian fellowship, Christ will take you 
through the valley of the shadow of death out to the other side. He will. What a fellowship. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. But there's more. There's comfort. Second half of verse 4. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, shepherds defend their sheep from predators with their straight rods. They use them like clubs. And shepherds rescue and lift up their sheep from predicaments with their crook staves. They use them like lifeguard scoops at the pool. And you have predators. And so do I. And you find yourself in predicaments from time to time. And so do I. But we, with Christ as our shepherd, can experience his comfort because he's both equipped and ready to defend us and to rescue us. What? <laughs> what a shepherd. But remember, him being your shepherd depends on you making the decision that he is your shepherd by faith. So much has flown out of this decision. Assurance, rest, restoration, guidance, fellowship, and comfort. But there's more. There's provision. First half of verse 5, thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, set tables are wonderful things. You ladies often make those set tables look so beautiful with napkins and centerpieces and china or fancy plates, and we love it. Set tables are where provisions are served, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas meals or ordinary daily meals. Set tables mean provisions. And when the Lord is your shepherd, he sets the table over and over again for his beloved sheep. He provides what we need when we need it time and time again. He's never late. He's always right on time. There's a sister in our assembly who told me when she was growing up as a child, there were days when they did not have food, no food in the cupboards, no food in the icebox, no food. And her mommy, a woman of faith, who had Jesus Christ as her good shepherd, told her as a little girl, set the table for dinner. And she said, Mommy, there's no food in the cupboards or in the icebox. How, why, why should I bother setting the table? Because the Lord will provide. Amen. Before dinner, someone brought them food, and they hadn't told anybody to bring them food. There's provision when the Lord is your shepherd. And you know that provision at that set table baffles people who don't have Christ as their good shepherd. My wife and I, in seminary, she was a governess for a rich family in a mansion. She was the governess, so I was the governor. <laughs> and uh, they were not believers. And it came time, God was moving us out of that mansion to fend for ourselves as a newly met, uh, married couple. And the unbelieving boss, female boss, said to us, how are you going to make it? She was asking, who's going to set the table? How are you going to get a table? Jesus set the table. He gave us a beautiful apartment on government subsidy as Beth was an American citizen. Beautiful apartment we could afford. And someone came into the restaurant we waited tables on and found out we were seminary students and they gave us more furniture for free than we could put in that beautiful apartment. There's provision when Christ is your shepherd. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But there's more. There's blessing. 
5B, thou hast anointed my head with oil. That doesn't sound so great to us. It's not 10W30. Back then, it was a light oil. It was a fragrant oil. It was a grooming oil. It was like cologne today or beautiful perfume today. And when you traveled those dusty, hot, dirty Palestinian roads to a home and were given hospitality, the first thing they did was they anointed your head. They cleaned you up with perfume or with cologne to refresh you, to give you the courtesy of hospitality. And when Christ is your shepherd, have you decided to make him your shepherd? When Christ is your shepherd, he will give you courtesies and refreshments beyond what you deserve. But there's satisfaction. The last part of verse 5, my cup overflows. You have an overflowing cup today? I do. Going back to verse 1, grammatically, the verse seems to need an object for the verb. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Want what? Is an object necessary? No, an object's not necessary because what it is implied is everything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. Anything good for me, anything needful for me, he will supply. That's absolute satisfaction, but there's more. There's prospect. Verse 6, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is both here and now prospect, and there is eternal prospect that Nick is experiencing perfectly. There was a man who owned two dogs who had Jesus as his good shepherd. He named the one, he named the one dog goodness, and he named the other dog loving kindness because they followed him all the days of his life. When Jesus is your shepherd, there's present time prospect and eternal prospect. You know, in Bible times, the shepherd would, when necessary, take a little lamb, a young sheep, in his arms, and carry the sheep over a brook. And then the older sheep would follow behind the shepherd holding the little lamby. And on November 20th, Sweet Jesus, the good shepherd, took Nick into his arms and he carried him over to the other side safely where the house of the Lord is. There's so very much involved when you make the Lord your shepherd. Assurance and rest and restoration and guidance and fellowship and comfort and provision and blessing and satisfaction and prospect, but it all starts with your decision. Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Elizabeth Elliot, now with the Lord, widow to martyred missionary Jim Elliot, was aware of a little girl who was terminally sick. And she was dying, and she knew it, and her family knew it. And they taught her to use her little hand and to say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. She passed into the presence of Jesus Christ unexpectedly in the hospital overnight. And when they found her little body, she was grasping her thumb. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? 
If you can, do you live like that? There's no finer testimony to the glory of God when we live as Christ with being our good shepherd. Let's pray. Good shepherd, Lord Jesus, you know that some of us made you our shepherd long ago, but we've wandered away from you and from your word, and we've wound up facing prowling predators and painful predicaments. We've been living with ourselves as boss. We really need to repent and return to you and let you shepherd us again. Lord, there are also persons bowed in your presence. Truth be told, they've never made Jesus their shepherd yet. Their Grammy did, their husband did, or their wife did. But they need to make Jesus their shepherd by making a decision in Nicholas's service now. You know who you are. You can make this your personal and silent prayer from your heart to God's heart. I've sinned, Lord Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again from the dead. I believe that it's only you who can wash me clean of my sins and give me a brand new life squarely within the safe pasture of your shepherding care and love. Lord Jesus Christ, by faith I now decide to make you my shepherd. Now I can say and mean, Lord, that the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, I now turn this prayer to the precious family in conclusion. I thank you with them that both in his life and in his death, Nicholas said, the Lord is my shepherd. I commend to your all-sufficient grace and tender, loving help, Sid and Ryan and Robin, Ashley and Nicole. Lord, you've told us in your word that your, our tears at times of bereavement are precious to you. You keep them in your bottle. So the tears that have been shed, that are being shed, and that will be shed are precious, because where there is much love, there are many tears. As we begin to move now from the sanctuary to the cemetery, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Give us eyes to see the unseen because these things are eternal and not merely the seen because these things are temporal. Be honored and glorified. And thank you for your shepherding of us, Lord Jesus. We pray in your holy name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord that he is our shepherd and he is the one who said that I am the living one. I was dead, but behold, I am alive forever and I hold the keys of death and hell. Let's stand together now as we sing our recessional hymn, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow.
Today. 
As I lay me down Heaven hear me now I'm lost without a cause After giving it my all Winter storms have come And darkened my sun After all that I've been through Who on earth can I turn to? I look to you to you. 